Hey, just a heads up. The episode you're about to listen to is old, directed by M. Night Shyamalan and written by M. Night, based on the graphic novel Sandcastles by Pierre-Oscar Levy and Frederick Peters. Some relevant trigger warnings for this movie include body horror, newborn death, on-screen graphic surgery, racism throughout, graphic violence, and troubling sexual content involving children. And our hosts rank this movie as existentially disconcerting. If you'd like to learn more about the movie discussed this evening, please visit our website, progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm, for show notes, relevant links, and transcripts of each episode. After the spooky music, we'll talk about the episode in full. So be forewarned, there will be spoilers. Now let's get on to the show. Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight we're trying out a new format on the show. Spen suggested we try something low stakes, which of course led me to suggest a movie we've been making fun of for months. And most of us hadn't actually seen M. Night Shyamalan's Old. It doesn't get any more low stakes than that. <laughs> I am your host, Jeremy Whitley. And with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cinebites. First, they're here to invade your house and find queer content in all of your favorite movies. My co-host and comic book writer, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? Uh, had not seen the movie. Wish I still hadn't seen the movie. I really try to be nice and find something to enjoy. Spoilers, this movie is bad and you should not see it. Yes, there are many movies that we say it is bad and enjoyable. This is not one of them. You can feel yourself getting older while this movie is on, ironically. And we picked her up at the spooky crossroads of anime and sexy monster media. It's co-host and comics artist Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? Well, like an aging font, I am growing serifs by the minute, by the second even. You've already mentioned my name and my occupation, so I guess that is, that's about it. I mean, the twist of this movie is that you will not get those minutes back. Like, it's called old, for fuck's sake. So if anything is about the fleeting quality of life, it is this. I have a bone to pick with M. Night. Beyond his, we all do. Beyond, beyond <laughs> the usual, what the fuck did you just direct, M. Night? Like, regular bones to pick. I have questions about this cameo and why somehow he is the most natural performing actor in the whole fucking movie. Did he intentionally direct everyone else bad so he could be the best one? I mean, I think that this is the most telling moment for a director. Emily Chamberlain is doubly the villain of this movie. He is the villain of this movie as the guy who leads to the, the problem of the movie. Also, he's the villain of this movie by the way he directs and writes it. Like, like it's bad. I enjoy the acting decisions M. Night Shyamalan makes in this movie. I don't enjoy a single writing or directing choice he makes. I have never seen a bunch of actors that look so much, even in Stanley Kubrick films, do the actors not look like they are trying to act at gunpoint. So before we jump into this the full discussion of the movie, we're going to do a quick recap. Ben is drawing the short straw tonight. So take it away, Ben. All right. So as Jeremy said, trying out a new format. We're going to do a real speedy recap and then dive into our discussion on the movie's politics and themes. Or in the case today, just sit fucking flabbergasted however the fuck it is we all just watched. <laughs> we start by being introduced in the car to the Kappa family. Parents Guy and Prisca are going through a divorce while also being more wooden than Pinocchio. Their children, Maddox and Trent, communicate exclusively by reciting facts about themselves and asking for facts. It's both exposition and character development. The family is on their way to a hotel that Prisca found online because, and I can't stress this enough, fuck this movie. Guy and Prisca fight while Trent befriends the resort manager's nephew, Idlib, a hilariously lonely child. The next morning, the family is taken to an exclusive beach alongside rapper Midsize Sedan, doctor and trophy wife Charles and Crystal, along with their daughter Kara and Charles' mother, as well as husband and wife Patricia and Jaron Carmichael. Again, not character development. They soon find the body of Midsize Sedan's companion in the water and then freak out the fuck out when the kids have become teenagers and Maddox is aged into having a New Zealand accent. The group figures out that the beach is making them old, and we get all sorts of uh, people aging shenanigans, like removing tumors, dogs who were just alive being dead, remembering <laughs> bad Marlon Brando slash Jackal Nicholson movies, and pregnant six-year-olds, because again, 
fuck this movie. Whenever they try and leave the beach, they black out. So they come up with a plan to acclimate by leaving very slowly. And then they don't do that plan. Instead, they spend most of the movie just sitting around and trying nothing or doing objectively worse plans than the plan they already came up with. And as a result, Charles kills mid-sized sedan due to his worsening uh, schizophrenia. Jaron drowns, Kara falls off uh, the cliff, and Patricia suffers a fatal seizure. That night, Charles's um, worsening mental illness causes him to repeatedly slash at Guy, and Crystal attacks the kids when they see her after suffering from her calcium deficiency. Chris is able to kill Charles by giving him a tetanus infection with a rusty knife, and Crystal breaks, like, all of her bones in a double feature that's kind of the movie's only effective horror sequence. Following this, Guy and Prisca reconcile and pass away from natural causes at what appears to be age 54. The next day, only now middle-aged Maddox and Trent are left alive. They spend way too long building sandcastles before decoding a message from Idlib that gives them the idea to swim to the coral, which blocks the beach's aging effects because metal tube. That is legitimately the explanation we get. I hate this movie. It looks like the siblings drown, but then we get more fucking ending scenes than Return of the King, where M. Night says they're dead. Then we get the, the like M. Night twist, where it turns out the resort is actually a pharmaceutical company doing lifelong medical traumas using the aging beach, which, oh my God, that's not how science works, and we're going to fucking get into that. And then we learn that Maddox and Trent actually are alive, and they got evidence of what the resort is doing. And... Not what happened to the Sackler family happens here. And then just because we get another scene of them on a helicopter, because fuck you and fuck this movie. And recap. Yeah, I think. Clap, 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 clap. Well, I don't know if you could get yeah. claps. That is absolutely a recap of the movie. What you might not guess from that recap is that it's based on anything or has any actors in it, because I, I feel so bad for the people that, wrote the book that this movie is based on, wrote the graphic novel that the movie is based on, and starred in this movie. Because to give you an idea, it's supposedly based on this graphic novel, Sandcastle, from Pierre Oscar-Levy and Frederick Peters, the French graphic novel. And it stars some people I haven't heard of, but some people that I know to be good. Yeah, Jeffrey never... Bernal is guy in this movie. He's a great actor. Rufus Sewell is in this movie. He's a great actor. Vicky Cripps, I don't know as well. Abby Lee, Ken Young. Ken Young, I know is good, has been incredibly enjoyable in lots of things, gives probably the worst performance of his career in this film. Yeah, we've also got Nikki and Luca Bird and Aaron Pierre, the poor guy as mid-sized sedan. His character is... He has one of <sighs> the many lines that just fucking bowled me over was when they discover like his dead companion and he just comes up and says, completely deadpan, oh, dang. Oh, dang. Yeah. Oh, dang. There are so many lines that I just had to pause and just laugh my ass off. When that little Italy kid goes like, let's play a truth-telling game. I don't have any friends. Truth-telling game. Go. I can't do a push-up. Go. I don't have friends. I'm your friend. You'll leave. My mom might let me FaceTime you. Then we can be friends. You can come over to my house and make up stories. Then we can go to the same college together and become neighbors with mortgages. <laughs> cool. Died. Fucking died. Uh, yeah. The, it's so bad. Okay, so we, we've got some targeting points here. And this is my first one, actually. So it, it's worth jumping in here saying my biggest problem with this movie and i said this i turned to alicia while watching this and said this movie feels like it was written by aliens who have never actually met a human but have only just heard of us it must be what it's like being a dinosaur watching jurassic park right like that is not what dinosaurs are like at all what the fuck <laughs> like I'm glad that we're we're discussing the very important dinosaur outlook on this show. Like Guy and Prisca are arguing at one point, and this is real fucking dialogue in the movie. One says, you're always thinking about the past. And the other says, well, you're always thinking about the future. He says, you're always thinking about the past. Damn it, you work at a fucking museum. Like, Prisca, come on. You're always thinking about the future. It makes me feel not seen. You're always thinking about the past. You work in a goddamn museum. Like, 
what? He's like the most ham-fisted character develop attempted character development. I can't even call it what it is. It's just an attempt. No gold stars here. I'm sorry. There are moments but, in this film that would be legitimately affecting if I cared at all about any of the characters. Yeah. And then the, every other line ha- is really, really like, isn't time crazy? Let's talk about aging or whatever. Like, there's no subtext whatsoever. Also, again, in my notes, I con- was constantly writing down, you had one job. <laughs> like, Tell this the story. movie has such simple rules to it that it's constantly breaking. This movie's be like, why aren't our hair and nails growing? Oh, like, it's because they're dead cells, so they don't age fast. Literally two minutes after, oh my god, this corpse, like, decayed into a skeleton within minutes. Which fucking is it, movie? Yeah, well, the movie... Is it? The science in this movie is completely broken, which is unfortunate because that's all the movie is about. That's the only thing that is really discussed is like, what is happening? How and why? And there's no like character quality to it. The characters don't really, I mean, they're not relatable because they're not human beings. I don't know what they are. Uh, My favorite line from this is Prisca, who, as we've established, works in a museum. And like this line she says to somebody is, you don't know me. I curate exhibits for a museum. I'm telling you this because I want you to trust me and know that I'm not being hysterical when I say there's something very wrong with my child. Excuse me. I saw you were talking to my husband. I know you're dealing with a lot with that woman right now, but something is wrong with my son. Some is, kind of reaction. Is it severe? I don't have time for this. What kind of doctor are you? I'm a cardiothoracic surgeon and chief medical officer. You don't know me. I curate exhibits for museums. I'm telling you this because I want you to trust me and not think I'm being hysterical when I say there's something very wrong with my child. He seems fine to me. He's playing with my daughter. I also had that line in my notes because I'm like, this is the worst fucking line of dialogue I've ever heard. I mean, there's the dog one. That one is still on top for me. The dog is dead. He was only just alive. I'm sorry. Rufus Sewell is the one actor who is just fucking bringing a legitimately fun performance he's kind of i mean this sounds like a weird thing to say that he's lucky and that he gets the mental illness angle like he he gets the job of portraying a man who is very quickly like losing his mind because he's he has dementia which should be slow moving but because they're getting old fast he's he's getting it very quickly so like he he very quickly gets to accelerate like his not understanding things and the fun angle where he gets more incredibly loudly racist as he gets more, as he slips further and further into this. Again, if it's meant to be horrifying, it's like there's a Palpatine to it where in this where it's like a lot of these scenes, it feels like Rufus is the only person who's enjoying making this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So to explain the dog a bit, you know, the dog dies because people age fast, but organic material, even though bones decay, paper and cloth doesn't. Anyway, Okay, but midside sedan is on this beach for hours before the others arrive with only nosebleeds and no other aging. Again, this movie had one fucking job. Yeah. But yeah, so th- this, the Rufus's character, who is a surgeon and chief medical officer, who is the, the medical, supposedly the medical authority on this beach, is the one who reacts to the dog dying by saying, what? He was only just alive. Which, a not inaccurate medical opinion. I mean, yeah, like... Again, like this movie just harping <laughs> once again on this movie only having one job and utterly failing at it. How terrible to non-existent was the old person makeup on all of the characters? They did not age. So the the kids age by becoming different actors. Yeah, like... Thank Christ. Christ. Gael Garcia Bernal has like gray at his temples and a few wrinkles and then just fucking keels over dead. Yeah. And the Christophs doesn't even get a depth scene. The camera just pans away and then pans back and she's dead. Yeah. There's a lot of, I'm going to say, quote unquote, cinematography that I think is trying to be subtle. But all it does is really reinforce the fact that they really didn't know how to show these things. It, It just is, again, it feels like aliens learned about cinematography and and tried it for the first time 
if there is there's some slack to be cut for this movie based on the fact that it was made during the pandemic so obviously like it was a small crew small set you know they are at a beach and that's fine but a lot of the cinematography it's really close when there's no reason for it to be and makes it more more difficult to tell what's going on anytime that they shoot a part of the beach that isn't the part of the beach where people are standing it's obviously an entirely different film quality and different time of day like they're they just clearly like cross cut it with b-roll of beach that they shot to like intersperse between the scenes and it it's bad it doesn't even look oh, yeah. like the same beach or the same now, time the, the, the directing choices are baffling like they spend a legit 40 seconds teasing like ooh, there's different actors playing the kids and they're older now as if we don't know we're fucking watching a movie called old yeah like the reveal takes way too long and you're just like okay i get it okay i know they're older now i can hear them it's like I got it. I'm on streaming watching the movie about the beach that makes you old. I know the poor decision I've already made movie. You yeah. don't need to prolong it. Yeah, this would be like if hour two of the sixth sense suddenly he was like, I see dead people. That was the twist because the twist of old is half an hour to 45 minutes in. And they're like, yeah, people are getting old fast. It's like, we know. I yeah. I will say to the movie's credit, I feel like the sense of my sense of time watching this movie was really fucked up because I feel like the movie as a whole took forever. Yeah. And yet I feel like every single plot development was very rushed. I think it was the pain inflicted on my soul. Every like just fuck up of a decision that this movie made. So much of this movie is them like legitimately doing nothing. They aren't encountering new challenges. They aren't like overcoming challenges. Like, so much of this movie is just them standing, getting older, talking about getting older, making plans about things they might do and but not, not do. And then it does the thing that fucking TV shows like and movies have loved to do since time immemorial. How can we make this boring ass conversation more interesting? Fucking spin that camera around and never stop spinning. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it's so bad. And I the problem, the, my biggest problem, oh, there's a lot of problems I have with this movie. But like coming to the end of this movie, I was, I, I turned to Alicia and I was like, I want to find movies by these other actors that I haven't seen in other things because I feel like it is really unfair to judge based on this movie. Cause like I've seen, I love Itumama Tambien and the motorcycle diaries. And Morris Perez is one of my favorite movies. Gal Garcia Bernal is a great actor. He is hot garbage in this movie. And I can't imagine that it's his fault. Like, he, yeah, like just the delivery on everything. Oh my god, it's so like uh, no, Cripes is in Phantom Thread, a movie I haven't seen but know is amazing. Like she must have talent. And yet I gotta say, this is one of the worst leading actress performances I've ever seen. I feel like we're in the midst of some like a covenant phenomenon where a director is really forcing these actors to be mediocre. I feel this must be an indication where it's just like even the best actor can't get good work out of just like a terrible director. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Especially boy. one who, again, I'm not unconvinced wasn't intentionally sabotaging him to make his own acting cameo look better. Well, speaking of, of things that are really horrible that I want to talk about about this movie, I feel like we cannot go any further in this but talking about the phenomenon that is mid-sized sedan in this movie. Because he, so we have two people of color in this movie, one of whom will, is not too substantially well, in the movie but is is ken young's partner in the story who like they show up halfway through basically yeah but then we have one one black man in this movie and he is one a rapper two known by the rap name mid-sized sedan which just that just feels like racism in a way that like exceeds wearing a white hood like it's like M. Night Shyamalan knows that rappers have ridiculous names but he doesn't understand why or how they would pick it out. But he's he's chosen like a mid-sized sedan, a thing which is intentionally middle of the road and boring and suburban as like the name of this rapper. And we don't get any sort of indication that this guy is maybe like a like a nerdcore rapper, that he's like it's like a funny thing intentionally. In apparently fact, very little personality. Well, apparently the kind of rap that is like known and recognizable from 40 feet away by an 11 year old suburban white girl yeah. yeah and and he is so 
I would say massively underwritten, but like everyone he does talk, it's like it's still not, not oh, good. I had like, I had to write this line down because it was, and it was again like everything else delivered completely emotionless in this like always if it's one thought and not just a bunch of fucking nonsense. I have a problem with my blood. It has problem clotting. I came here to look at the ocean and remember I'm connected to something bigger. Yeah. That's a real fucking line of nonsense dialogue in this fucking garbage film. I mean, it is it is the most basic explanation and completely unnatural way of explaining what his character wants and why he's there. Also, like, does he not know the name of his condition? Because it sounds like M. Night Shyamalan has given the one black man in this movie sickle cell anemia and mm. does not know what it's called, which... Well, if it makes just, me so if it's angry, a, it makes me so angry. Like, and again, like, I've lived it like, M. Night Shyamalan, you're from Philadelphia. What's your fucking excuse? Yeah, I don't, I... You should I absolutely know more black people in your life. You're in Philly. What are you doing? And we can't, we can't blame the comic book for this, too. I'm just going to say that. I know that there's there's some source material. I mean, there wasn't a character named Midsize Sedan. Yeah, are you telling me this French home? comic didn't have one black man named Midsize Sedan in it? Surprisingly. Get out of town. Shockingly. No. It, okay. He, okay, yeah. Midsize Sedan has one moment that, again, I think it's legitimately the best joke in the movie. It's his one interaction with the other black character, um, Jaren's wife. Um, Patricia. I, Patricia, yes. Uh, thank you. And I'm again, I'm 100% convinced it was ad-libbed because it's when they're all talking about the they're, expo they're expositing about the aging, like half an hour here is one year of your life. And we look different because people age visibly at different rates. And midsize sedan just like goes over and whispers to her. And it's like, my trend and Maddox's ages and the time we spent on this beach, half an hour is equivalent to something like one year of our lives. This must be true for all of us. We just don't see it on everyone. It's the first time they wish they were black. Mm -hmm. And she just gives like this knowing nod. Just like, mm -hmm. That's completely out of character with all of her other lines in the movie. That I have yeah. to them. For both, yeah. for both of them. Yeah. It's genuine. It's human. It's witty and hilarious. I'm dead ass convinced like it had to have been an ad lib that they left in the movie. Whoever wrote that line should have been allowed to go back and rewrite the rest of the movie. It's honestly... The only kind of like witty commentary about aging in the movie. Which is a movie about aging. Just to remind you, I know you're here and it's called Old and we've talked about the, the premise, but I can't. Did like, you have any talking points that you really felt like we needed to hit on before we got to the, the big questions here? So, again, like I'd say my big talking points were I feel like how this movie treats its women characters. Matt, I think Maddox is... As far as M. Night Shyamalan can write a protagonist, I feel like Max is trade well, but, you know, the way that the marriage difficulties between Guy and Prisca, it comes down very hard against Prisca. Yeah. Like, and then we just have, like, Crystal, the trophy wife. I don't know. It didn't, It like, there was, it didn't, oh, and then just God fucking, again, pregnant six-year-old. Yeah, and I wanted to talk about that because... Yeah, let's. Okay. Vodka out of my rainbow skull. Thank you, Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> Not going to talk been... about pregnant six-year-olds sober. I'll fucking tell you that. There's never been anything in one of these movies that we so massively needed to talk about. And I so desperately did not want to talk about Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. These kids who are, I mean, Trent is six and Maddox is 11 when they arrive on the beach and within hours they are teenagers and they just Kara who is what, five? Yeah, there's Kara yeah. who's very young. So she's she's five. She is the daughter of Chris I'm Pummel. sorry, pregnant five-year-old. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, guys. I'm apologizing because uh, the movie won't, but so you have Kara. She is the daughter of Crystal and Whatever the fuck surgeon guy's name is. Rufus Sewell. He is Charles. Charles. He's, he is Charles. He is in charge. He has a trophy wife that's definitely younger than him. They especially show Crystal in a way where before aging, we just want to show off her body in the most like objectifying male gaze way possible. And then as soon as aging hits her, 
we just want to go full fucking like witch crone. Yeah, but that's the thing is it never really happens that way. Like her face still doesn't really change. And because this movie doesn't know how to fucking actually do old people makeup. Yeah, like she's the one who gets um all fucked up with her bones. But anyway, so Which, like. I feel like that was definitely the moment where like everyone on the special effects team, like M. Night, like everyone involved in that was like, yeah, fucking the bone, like all the bone cracking and rehealing and breaking again, like. That's going to be it. That's going to be like the big image people remember and freaks them the fuck out. Except once again, I'm laughing my ass off because I'm just pointing at the TV going, it's the Bonitis episode from Futurama. It really is. It really is. And that's what it looks like. It doesn't even like, there's no, anyway, I, we talk about how the science sucks. She's that guy. She's the eighties guy. Her one regret is not curing her Bonitis. She's introduced early on. She said that she has a calcium deficiency as a way to, like, get a special smoothie out of the people at the hotel. Because she she's being what seems very ornery ordering stuff. And then it is revealed, I guess, late in this movie that she does indeed have a calcium deficient. And that because she's aging so quickly and not getting uh, any sort of supplements or calcium or anything, her bones just start breaking at everything. Like, she gets, you know, she gets hit by a rock and they start breaking and... She has disappeared well, before she this drops because a she's rock on her own. She doesn't get hit by a rock. She drops a rock on herself. And she is violently afraid of aging. Like she shames her daughter, her five-year-old daughter, for have the possibility of having scoliosis for slouching. Yeah. And she's incredibly the superficial is the word I was looking for. Well, I mean, every character in this film is paper thin, if that, but like she's just a, a really bad trope of basic woman of course once she's being like don't slouch of course we're gonna see her as like the hunchback later on because fucking the same deal where it's like prissa in the car i can't wait to hear you sing when i'm when you're older oh you're older and now i'm deaf and can't hear i'm like fuck you movie except when she can hear anyway like this movie just could not telegraph its bullshit harder okay but i have to talk about the kids came here to talk about these kids and this thing that we're not we're trying that we don't want to talk about what we have to because the kids age rapidly there is this brief moment where maddox starts flirting with his name is brendan i'm not going to call it he says his name is brendan he introduces himself as mid-sized sedan and then later on tells her that his name is brendan which like why the fuck would you as a human being introduce like stuck on this beach just meeting people introduce yourself to those people as mid-sized sedan if you were then going to later be like actually my name is brendan not to give this movie any credit isn't it that he is just sitting on the beach by himself for hours while everyone else beaches and it's actually was like it's mid-sized sedan the rapper who does whatever rap i the 11 year old white girl know i didn't to him later he he says hi i'm mid-sized sedan uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He introduces himself and he's like, this is my name and my occupation and this is my motivation in this film. I am an actor playing... Yeah, this is very literal. Okay, so there are a couple different moments where they're trying to talk about how they are growing. And they talk about how they have more colors in their mind or they like feel more or whatever. My thoughts have more colors in them now. Yesterday I had a few colors and they were really strong and now I have more. And they're quieter. Oh, yeah. I, I had that fucking my thoughts have more colors now. Fuck off movie. Yeah. And it's this completely out of place, like attempt at poetry or any sort of like poetical writing that just does not land, especially because they in order to deal with the trauma of finding the dead body, the mom tries to get them to list colors, which is I thought was like one of the only interesting, unique things that in terms of like any sort of medical anything in this movie that this had this movie had to deal with. But anyway, so these kids, there's a scene where Trent and and Kara, I think, are in a yes. tent. Oh, I did not like that scene. They're talking to each other and it gets more and more intimate. And we don't really see much, but it touch hands. They touch hands and he t- he's got his hand on her hip and then they're of course played by these um older actors. Teen but actors. you cannot separate yourself from the fact that they are kids and then they're like and then they camera goes away and comes back and then suddenly she's pregnant because shit happens really fast well don't forget about the absolutely disgusting pasta close-up shot we get first 
Yeah, I mean, I hate the salad by the fist. I hate almost every cinematography decision in this movie. I mean, but that was the only thing. The thing about that pasta fistful thing is that that was the only moment with that character as an older person that really like felt like she was like acting like a child because all of the other shit when they're talking about like my my feelings are more colorful now, like they're not when they age, they don't talk like kids at all. This movie cannot decide how it wants to handle the kids aging. Yeah, mostly, and, the movie forgets about the kids for chunks of like 15 minutes at a time in, yeah. in order to bring them back for a shock reveal every time. First, it's that they've suddenly aged. Second, it's that as in the scene Emily's talking about, Kara and um, Max, Trent, Trent. Kara and Trent, Trent come walking out of the tent and Kara is clearly like nine months pregnant. And they then like go to their parents who are understandably shocked by all of this. And they're like, well, what, what's going on? And she's like, oh, we were just playing. It's okay. I just got a little fat. What did you do? We were just playing. It's okay. I just got a little fat. Mom, you're better. Oh my God, guys. It's okay, right, Mom? Jack Nicholson, Aaron Marlon Brando, we're in a movie together. If she walked into the emergency room, I'd say she's about five months pregnant. What? What? Just stay calm, Trent. She'll only be pregnant for about 20 minutes from the time of conception. Why do you keep what? looking at me like you want to steal my wife? Do you want me to punch you in the face? Calm down. What one movie that one moment that actually like got a chuckle out of me, and I'm like, I think you actually intended for this to happen, movie, was when Guy says, like, you did what makes babies. And Trangestone says, I thought you had to do it like 10 times first. That, yeah, but they, it's still so fucked up because, again, this is a subject that is hard to deal with anyway. Like, oh, this whole thing is, I hated everything about this. Like, this is awful. Because this brings up the, the subject matter of the, the body's growing and hormone activity and people that don't have experience of context, whatever that means. And that's a thing that happens to real people for various reasons, whether they're, they have developmental conditions or whatever. It's still something that we don't really have an, like a solid idea about dealing with as a culture. And also like sex taboos are different in different cultures, of course, but it's still not a terribly comfortable thing to discuss because it is so difficult to discuss where we how do we define consent you know i know that they're kids with hormones not this for either of them neither of them can consent with each other yeah no 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 okay so this movie has absolutely no capability of handling this and here's the thing and this is where i'm going to transition into talking a little bit about the comic in the comic the baby survives in the movie the baby dies immediately from what they say. They say the words from their mouth verbatim. The line is the baby died from lack of attention. That baby was out of her for 20 seconds. And they didn't say starvation because, okay, yeah, that I guess would make sense because like a baby growing that quickly. Also, where do these people shit? Like they're eating all the time. And their bodies are moving really fast. Are they just using the bathroom constantly? Like, no, of course not. But anyway, I'm really sorry that I also had to bring that up. Are you? Yeah, actually I am. But here's the thing. So baby died from quote unquote lack of attention. I don't understand how that would work because the baby was in their arms the whole time. The baby died from however Padme died. The baby died. Okay. But in the comic, the baby survives and is the survivor of this ordeal. She doesn't, no one gets away. It's just about how she's just the last person in this group of people who are aging. She's also aging rapidly. And the only thing she can do is sit on this beach and make a sandcastle. That's the end of the comic. Sorry, spoilers for the comic. It's better than, than this movie. But it, it couldn't be worse. Yeah. But I think this is the one time where the movie actually tries to stick to its rules, which is like, People age really fast and things happen really fast and the kids need more food. The baby should need more food. So by the rules, the baby should die if the baby is not fed like immediately, right? Yeah. But it makes the decision that this is the one time that it's going to follow those rules in the case where it means a dead baby and infant mortality. 
fun. Yeah. And kids and like underage, like mentally way too young people engaging in intimate acts. Like, and, and it's it, it, like, like she's way the movie. portion of the movie then carrying it around in a towel, even after it's like the baby has turned to dust. Yeah. And it's, it's fucked. Yeah. And the, and the movie basically says like all the movie is saying about this is, isn't this fucked up, I guess? Anyway, let's look at these other people. Yeah, like, it exists to do nothing but make you, like, to, exactly, to make you be like, look how fucked up this is. Yeah. yeah the nail on the head. Yeah, and so that's what infuriates me about this decision staying in the film, is that the baby dies. So, like, the fact that they had this kid doesn't really matter to the story, other than it just being fucked up in the co- like if they're really like adapting from the comic, which is very, very, very rough. I mean, and I understand making different decisions when you adapt something like that's I, in fact, prefer when directors make different decisions because it's a very different medium. However, if you're going to change the story that much, we don't need to keep shit in that is so deliberately upsetting and ultimately pointless. And and that also brings me to the second thing about the comic is that, well, actually, there's a couple more things. One is that there's no explanation for the, there's no science in the comic. It's all about these characters kind of going. Oh, I this. hated the fucking techno babble. Yeah, there's no. Tried to be like, the radiation from the rocks. Fuck off. Yeah. Fuck off, I mean, play off. There was, so there's a character in the comic, the, the book that they find was actually written by a character, like in the comic, the book was written by a guy who was trying to speculate what was going on. And he was a science fiction writer, but there was no evidence of anything. It was just him trying to figure out what the fuck was going on. We don't get any explanation. It just, it's just like, you see these characters kind of accept their fate. And then the, the character, like this movie is, it's the, the conceit of this movie really is about character development, which they completely ignore. I mean, I should say the conceit of the story because it's the conceit of the comic, not the movie. The movie is just like old. And then also Brendan, mid-sized sedan, is a different character. He's an Algerian jeweler that tells these stories about like death and pride and all this kind of stuff. But I will say that a, not sure that he's presented any less racistly. The racism is what they adapt. Yeah, because he's an Algerian well, guy. I mean, that's, well, that's what the point of the adaptation. You got to localize yeah. it, put your own spin on the racism. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's not as like just completely stupid. I mean, it's it does have like its own uh, flavor of exoticism. And then when the, the 11-year-old girl gets older, you know, in body, she does sleep with him in the comics. So that's upsetting. And they're still like racist surgeon guy, but they don't blame his racism specifically on paranoid schizophrenia, which is what they specifically. They sure do. They yeah. flat out. They are. They all but say, boy, did that mental illness sure didn't make him racist. Yeah. They he were looking ambient and he just started tweeting like Roseanne. But <laughs> so, I mean. I'm not going to recommend the comic because I'm not sure, because I haven't actually read all of it. I've seen bits and pieces and, and some of the art style. It's very beautiful, but some of it doesn't really, it's very European. So it doesn't come up to the same kind of representation standards as we have here, at least us three. But I'm just saying like the movie as an adaptation made some really baffling decisions and the subject matter, like there's some serious things that you can talk about with something like this that I think the comic has talked about better, although it still has a lot of problematic elements to it. And I'm guessing it does have the so stupid and not at all scientifically sound pharmaceutical company. Yeah, so when we going into how this movie deals with mental illness um, and physical disability, I mean, the entire conceit of this film is incredibly ableist especially the way that this film depicts the situation. And also it's like incredibly anti-medicine. It's also like it doesn't understand medicine. Like, okay, using our sample size of one with no control group. Yeah. Gave one lady one dosage of medication and then she didn't have a seizure for 16 years. To human trials it goes. Yeah, on top of the the very strange relationship this film has with science, the the surgeon is a villain. I mean, that's how medicine works. You take one dose of something for life and then that's it. 
yeah, the surgeon is a villain. The company is a villain. People's disabilities um, literally turn them. Oh my god, yes. Not yeah. hey, nothing says sound medical study like throwing random people with entirely different diseases together all at once. Yeah, and then like, the Patricia's a psychologist, and she is incredibly inept. And all she's like, she basically does bad psychologist trope. Let's talk about it, or let's have a, a discussion about who we are and what our our jobs are, because we haven't actually established that enough with the kids randomly asking everybody who they are and what their oh, jobs are. At the um, end, when the one guy's like, "Hey." I think we should stop having the mental illness patients together with the like medical illness patients because, you know, the stabbing and the boss is like, you can file a report, but I don't know about this. Yeah. What, what the fuck is this? Like, why did you build a real resort for healthy people on top of your fake medical trial resort? Where you were apparently recruiting people from receipts in pharmacies. Also, kids, they could have just been like, it's no kids allowed on this beach. Like, this is a day for the adults. The kids can go over here on the candy table and we'll have like kids activity. Like there's a Prisca do this. Prisca says she found the hotel online. Can you believe I found this online? And then in a sweepstakes on the receipt at the pharmacy. How did you first hear about this place? I don't know. I, I fell upon it. A random sweepstakes. It came with the receipt at the pharmacy. I just followed it up online, started getting emails. They know our medical condition. They chose us. They have our passports. We could just disappear. What is the either of them? What? What is happening? It's not even what that. What is e- this fucking movie? It's not. You know the old re- the, the old pharmacy receipt sweepstakes. All things an anthropologist would absolutely fall for. Yeah. With presumably a doctorate, but they only, she only thinks about old things. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. This movie is very bad at disability, despite the fact that it's very much about disability. Everything that, everything as they age when they become disabled, when one character loses half of their hearing, one character's sight starts to go. Like these are all projected as great tragedies in this movie, you know, and they, they do blame. Rufus Sewell's racism on his increasing schizophrenia. Every it's it's so bad. It's like this movie is kind of racist, is kind of sexist, is pretty fucking ableist. Like, yeah, I, I'm glad there isn't enough active queer content for it to be homophobic. Right. It's also a very like aggressively straight film. Yeah, but- we've we've talked about the racial and social justice element of this. I think as much as there there is to talk about it because. I don't want to talk about it anymore because it's, well, yeah, it's so We do have things. one other black character, the most effective on-vacation police officer of all time. I mean, he yeah. really buys this. He's like, oh, yeah, you guys were kids yesterday? Oh, yeah, I'll go right to the station. We'll talk to CSI and we'll make sure to get everything tested and we'll put you on a helicopter. The most unrealistic part of this movie isn't the magic aging beach drug trials. It's the pharmaceutical company executives being held legally accountable. Yeah. Right. I also want to mention something about our psychologist who makes a joke about her seizure being attention seeking. Now, the joke itself is like, haha, wouldn't that be ridiculous? But in the context of the rest of this film, it doesn't land. Yeah. A thought I just had with M. Night being the one who his character is watching the movie from afar. Is this just him once again being like, everything is filmmaking, even in-universe, I am the director watching all? I mean, that was where I was really hoping that some incredibly crazy-go-nuts meta bullshit would happen. I was praying that he would be like, and this is a film, like, do some fucking Holy Mountain shit. Spoilers for Holy Mountain. Like, he, he would be like, yes. This is actually, these people are actually actors and this is a film and we have to do this for an experiment about movies. I was really hoping that at the end of this, when the kids miraculously find the tunnel through the water, 
that Idlib, who's never been to this beach, knows about. That they were going to come out the other end and stumble on M. Night Shyamalan and beat him to death. In- <laughs> I, I thought Idlib was going to, before he wound up as the driver, I thought Idlib was going to wind up on the beach and grow up to be M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, that would be a very, very interesting progression in terms of, like, how those characters Well, I look. just, well, once that character was just like, I'm the smartest of the codes and the best and most innocent and I save the day, I'm like, are you going to somehow wind up also being M. Night? I mean, he's- I didn't see Lady in the Water, but I read the Wikipedia page. I know your <laughs> fucking tricks. <laughs> he's a Zodiac killer. That's the true, that's the true twist. Is, well, I don't know if the kid is the Zodiac killer or M. Night is. I love this poor little- manager's nephew with Yago being like, I'll tell you which kids are safe to play with. It's not sus at all, uncle. Like all the people being driven out to the nature and being like, all right, we'll pick you up later. This is a very special place. We'll go pick you up and we'll drop you off and just take your stuff. And we're not going to go with you. We're not going to be your guide. Like, again, it's wild that there is still a real operating all-inclusive resort that serves many customers that don't like like what's the profit margin on this place are they is it all blow is it all like put in the r&d budget or is there like a real hotel management executive who's like look they i i went to a real hotel management school like i'm just doing the fake resort in front and they're doing all the weird shit behind me like i don't know what's going on i'm still trying to get them five diamonds i just (laughs) want to know what they do with with me because at the point that the creepy manager came up to me and was like, I know about this secluded beach that we don't tell anybody where you and your family should go to. I'd be like, nah, I um, I paid to come to the resort. I want to be like at the resort in the pool and yeah. fancy foods. If I don't want to go to the this creepy secluded beach. Did so it no. seem like to anyone else at the end when Trent and Max come back and start revealing the truth? Did it seem like they were on speakers, but then it turns out now they're just standing in front of a van? I mean, there was a lot of weird people talking loud off camera in this film. Yeah. So <laughs> I, at this point, I was just like, fuck it. Please end. Like, they show up and just start saying things. And this whole resort just goes into like lockdown, red alert, like DEFCON 5 mode. Instead of just being like, these people are crazy. They don't know what they're talking about. Security, thank you. Let's go with these two. Yeah. Away. And we're like, welcome. Oh, would you like to at our one of a kind beach? Yeah. God. Yeah, I, I, man. Like, that's so, not a problem. Like, honestly, this is a weird thing that keeps happening in M. Night Shyamalan movies where he thinks world changing reveals of information are world changing when they're not. Like, the end of Glass, when it's like, we were, we put out a YouTube video that proves superheroes are real. Yeah. If, if anything, this movie and Glass come together to prove that M. Night Shyamalan does not know how the internet works. Bruce Willis pushes a guy far and it's like, superpowers are real. Like, Night. Guy, this, is, this is not going to do it. <laughs> Night F- is not that old either. Like, what is he doing? What is he? How does he do shit without the internet? Like, how does he like this is a this is a definite first draft of the script issue. Here. Did he just get locked into whatever he was doing in like six cents unbreakable times? It's like, I am never updating from my setup now. I totally <laughs> did. My dream project is that I want to find a way to get M. Night Shyamalan and Tyler Perry on the same movie because they both have that same, like, they've been doing things this way since they first made it and they refuse to do anything different. They refuse to have co-writers or like co-creators or anything like that. They just want to make keep making their bad bonkers bullshit if you were to put the two of them together that movie would be so bad and so off the rails immediately that like well they would have to I come back like, around the other side to being good yeah tyler or, perry it's like the movies are bad but he know like he has an audience and he has a formula it's like i feel like with tyler perry i'm like this is a sustainable business model you got going on M night what the fuck is this filmography Devil, The Happening, Avatar, The Last Airbender. What yeah. the fuck you doing, Bubala? Yeah. God. Yeah. Okay. Ben who is going to be in Avatar, The Last Airbender series on Netflix, where I'm guessing he's going to be much better because, again, he is a good actor. Yeah. I love Yen Lost. Miles Strom forever. Yeah. I Okay. Yeah. So there's nothing really interesting to talk about with class here. Like, 
they hate the rich people and the rich people are awful, but they're all stereotypes anyway. So what does it matter? And then, like you said, I, I feel like this is a weird cleansing moment after our pride month where like we couldn't have chosen a more straight uh, movie. Yeah. I even talk about how Guy's occupation is. He does statistical analysis. So he's just constantly rattling off statistics during the movie. Yeah. Because again, yeah. that's what passes as fucking character trait. He says statistical analysis for insurance firms, Does, which is like there's a point where he talks about a statistic about how many people die from furniture accidents or some shit. Yeah. And like he pulls it out like to dad. I think that the twist could have successfully been this was a movie written by aliens. Like we pull out and it is aliens. And they're like, this is how humans act, right? <laughs> and it is if, an experiment on humans by aliens. <laughs> if you told me that this took place in the same universe as Signs, I would believe you. Just it's trying the to aliens from Signs. If you, if you told me this took place in the same world as The Room, I would believe you. It just has the same quality of writing. Like, and I know what people sound like. It was COVID, but also like this beach, like it. It's not an interesting setting for a film, given how little exploration there is. There's no travel. How little environmental challenges that it provides. Like, I remember when Trent and Max started swimming through the coral, just like I put in my notes, like, thank God, a second location. Yeah. And it's funny because they mentioned the coral at the very beginning when they're like, oh, look at the coral. They don't show the coral. Someone is like, look at the coral. And then at the end of the movie... When they're like, oh, the coral. And they look over and the coral's like been there the whole time. No one's thought to swim to the coral or like no one has acknowledged the coral since they were like, oh, look at that coral. Well, guy is also like, look how beautiful the coral is. I'm like, ah, this looks like some fucking climate change dead coral. It's not very nice looking. Does anybody else think that maybe Guy was just a placeholder in the script and M. Night Shyamalan was just like, oh, it's, this is a guy. They just didn't, they just didn't change his name. They just never got background to. I mean, I absolutely believe that yeah. because again, I watched Moonfall where Patrick Wilson's son character is named Sonny. <laughs> I mean, mid-sized sedan. Like that's a, that's all the information that you need. I mean, talk about movie. I like this movie. It, it's not like I feel like, oh, this is like a right wing movie or a conservative movie. It just flubs every basic test of like, how does this movie treat marginalized communities? If it addresses it, it flubs it. I, man, it's inconceivable the the amount this messes up. And we we've I'm just gonna go into like, is it feminist? But like we've talked about the fact that there's there's two adult female characters and two young aging female characters, and the two adult ones are both horrible. They're both horrible women. Yeah, like um, the movie does not characters. like them. Yeah. Yeah. And then the the two that grow up, like, we didn't even address the fact that Kara starts the movie as a five-year-old girl, uh, gets pregnant, I guess, her first time having sex on this beach as having been five a few hours beforehand, and then loses the baby, and then tries to climb a mountain, falls off, and dies, and I, is never shown. Like, her, her body is never seen again. I yeah. really worry that M. Night doesn't realize how unlikable or how much against the movie is Prisca. And I worry that he thinks this is honestly his blue Valentine. This movie makes me tired. Talking about this movie makes me tired. Yeah. Guys, yeah I think we... that's the real, that's a real twist. Is Do it, you recommend it, people watch this movie? No. no. Don't watch this movie. No. If you're listening, no. listening with good sense not to watch it yet, don't change that. Don't watch it. If you want to feel old, just go on TikTok. It's a lot more fun. <laughs> like, there is, Emily? there is gifts of, <laughs> of young people becoming old that are more effective than this movie. Just watch those gifts. Yeah. My actual recommendation is Annihilation and the Area X trilogy. Like, that's. Ooh, Annihilation is good. Annihilation, much better movie about a, a beach that makes, that does horrible things to you. Yeah, and Look, the, you know, the book series. I don't know if it's a good movie, but fuck you. Go see The Beach with starring Leonardo DiCaprio. That's not it a good also movie. has a beach. 
Just go to the beach. And build a beach. Build a sandcastle with somebody you love. That's the point. Just enjoy and the I guess time if you, you wanna, have people that you love. If you want to age faster, I guess don't wear suntan lotion. My my recommendation is uh, go listen to the song Sandcastles by Beyonce. It's much better. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah this, like, literally, we could recommend anything and it would be better than this movie. Man. Okay. 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 Everything Everywhere All at Once is available on streaming now. Go buy it and watch oh, it. Oh, right. yes. What an incredible movie. Again, honestly, if you want a better M. Night Shyamalan films, watch Sixth Sense or Unbreakable. They're actually, yeah. if you just want to see like really nice settings that are not as boring as this one beach with no foliage, like, I don't know, go watch Lost with the volume off. Yeah. Put yeah. it out in the background. It's all filmed in Hawaii. It's beautiful, especially nowadays when everything is goddamn Atlanta or Vancouver. This shit wants to be lost so hard. So bad. So fucking Again, hard. It's so bad it cast Ken Lung from yeah. Lost. Yeah. They're like, oh, he looks good on beaches. I've seen him on a beach before. Let's put him in the movie. Like, I'm pretty sure that nobody, well, I, I'm pretty sure that there was a casting call because the actors need jobs but um, no there was because in the how did this get made uh episode on old paul Shear talks about how he auditioned for the hotel manager and he did not get the part rest in pepperonis my dude i'm not sure this movie would have been better but it definitely would have been more fun with paul Shear as like the main villain the pharmaceutical head yeah it would have been I more absurd and hard to take seriously but it would have been more fun and I have seen good movies where the dialogue is just people looking at each other and going like, oh, my my thoughts. Have, like the book Annihilation is a lot of like, I looked at the thing. My thoughts have color. Is the tower up? Sound is sensation. The That was good. I was happy. I was like, yeah, sound is sensation. Now, I feel like that's a good line in Annihilation because Annihilation works that into the story where I'm like, I don't know how fucking literal this is or going to get. Yeah, you yeah. yeah. me Annihilation. <laughs> Just that whole bit where... Oh, that's a good... Annihilation, such a good movie. Yeah. I, good movie. I'm I'm going to wholeheartedly recommend the movie and the book, even though yeah. I've, I've had my quibbles with the movie. I've since forgiven the movie. And then while it's we're good. To our progressively horrified episode on it, yeah, if, if Ole had a giant bear creature with a skull head who imitated people's voices to hunt, I would like it a hundred percent more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially uh, if it was Richard Se- Se- Sewell's voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah that uh, whole—I just have to say, there's that line reading where the where Priska's on the beach and she's like, "What book am I reading?" And then there's like a 10, 20 second pause, and then I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like the only way to possibly end this episode at this point is for us to all get in a helicopter and go look at the end of this podcast from a distance on the helicopter <laughs> for no fucking reason. I, I for the credits give goal. this movie a little credit for something. The actors who play teenage and adult Trent do look very alike. I'm like, yes, yes I believe that this teenager aged into this adult Maddox, good. I don't know but it was good to see Maddox age back out of her New Zealand accent <laughs> you know sometimes sometimes you're a teenager and you think picking up a New Zealand accent is cute and then you grow out of that look sometimes your dad's Mexican and your mom's Luxembourgish and you just end up with somewhere man I mean who knows when your hair doesn't grow but you age real quick but hair changes color and your accent changes. What can it's you do? No. Of a girl. I'm sorry. I hate to say this, bring this up. And Alicia should probably cut this. Actually, I'm just not even gonna say it. Fuck it. We don't need we don't need me putting this cursed, cursed ass thought into the world. Yeah, let's not. Now I'm fucking uh, curious. What we should say is uh, you can find Emily at Megamoth on Twitter, <laughs> Mega underscore Moth on Instagram, and at Megamoth.net. Ben is on Twitter at Ben the Con and on the website at BenCon Comics. Dot com where you can pick up all of their books, including the brand new Immortals Phoenix Rising graphic novel from Great Beginnings and the Glad Award nominated Renegade Rule graphic novel. And finally, for me, you could find me on Twitter and Instagram at jrome58 and my website at jeremywhitley.com where you can check out everything I write. And of course, the podcast is on Patreon at Progressively Horrified, our website at progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm and at Prague Horror Pod on Twitter. We would love to hear from you, except I don't really want to hear from you guys about old. I don't want to talk about this movie anymore. I don't think about this movie anymore. This movie's bad. I want it to cease to exist. 
I want it to go away and be done with it. It's not something that I will joyfully revisit in 10 years and be like, man, I remember, I remember when we watched this movie before and it was bad and fun. It's not fun. It's like yeah, literally, I don't want it. A five and a six year old have sex and like uh, half adult bodies and then they have a baby and it dies immediately. And then one of them tries to climb a cliff and dies. And then the other one somehow swims through a, a, a pipe full of coral that like takes them an hour, like a half an hour to swim through and is still alive. And they can't I, get through the coral because they're stuck with their completely removable rack. Yes. Oh my An God. An act of God has to save them. The coral breaking up has to save them. Not them being like, oh, right. I can take clothes off. Fucking hate this movie. I never want to think about this movie until we do our next Letterboxd episode where we put it right at the fucking bottom. Congratulations. Various bad Resident Evil movies. You all moved yeah. up a spot. Oh my God. <laughs> I, would take, I would take a Resident Evil movie marathon over watching this movie again. I would watch fucking Welcome to Raccoon City three or four times in a row before I would watch this movie. I just watched Resident Evil out. movies. Resident Evil movies, I have so much to talk about. This movie, I can't wait to stop talking about old. <laughs> well, with that in mind, thank you both for joining me here. Thanks to all of you for listening. We'll see you next week when we talk about something that isn't fucking this movie. Goodbye. Until <laughs> next time, stay horrified. Please. Progressively Horrified is created by Jeremy Whitley and produced by me, Alicia Whitley. This episode featured Jeremy, Ben, and Emily. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own and do not represent the intent or opinion of the filmmakers, nor do they represent the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole 06 and was provided royalty-free from Pixabay. If you like this episode, you can support us on Patreon. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at ProgHorrorPod or by email at ProgressivelyHorrified at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.